no, no, no. Amazing. My Zimbo girl, you stay shining like Goda. So welcome everybody to her our episode two today. Um, my name is Jordan. Uh, we are here at the British Council here in Harare. And we are joined by um, obviously our two hosts, our two other hosts, Tanata and uh, Vera. Hi guys, how are you Hi. doing? How are you? Hi. I'm Vera. <laughs> I'm Tanata. Right, and so we're also joined here by the British ambassador here in Zimbabwe, and her name is Melanie Robinson. Nice to meet you. Um, uh, we're also joined by a clinical psychologist. Her name is Leona. Hi, Leona. Hi. I'm good, how are you? <laughs> um, so, before we go in, I just want to let everybody know that we are joined by a live studio audience, which is not usually what we have. So, <laughs> hi guys. Hi. <laughs> right, okay, so we're just going to get right into it. Yeah. Um, so, we're going to be speaking on two prominent topics. The first one is mansplaining. I don't know if you know what mansplaining is, but basically mansplaining is when um, a woman is explaining something and um, there is this um, aggressive nature that a man has where they like so try to come in. So basically what she's trying to say is mansplaining is when a woman is trying to explain something. Right, and that's the, this is a perfect <laughs> example of mansplaining. Yeah. When a, a man literally like jumps in and like thinks that because they have the male prevalence they have the, the, the better the, right the yeah. more intelligent or the more understandable perspective the when in fact they might just be saying exactly the same thing yeah. do you know what i mean and then our second topic is gender-based violence in honor of um 16 days of activism against gender-based violence yeah. Hashtag going to the world. right <laughs> and just like a little um something to say is that i've recently been um honored with the dutch embassy as um a gender champion here in 16 days of activism and I just want to say that it's it's such an important topic and I think we shouldn't wait for these kinds of things to really honor people who are doing important work like everyone that's sitting here with us um, thank you so much for the work that you have done that you are actively doing within our communities so yeah, we're Congrats just gonna. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, so we're just gonna get get right into it, straight into it. Um, so our first question is: What does gender-based violence mean to each of us? So whoever feels they want to start, you can go ahead. No. <laughs> I'd like to start. Yeah. I personally think gender-based violence is violence perpetuated against non-cisgender and non-heterosexual men and all other gender identities that do not have the privilege. And um, I get the question a lot, like, why aren't you including men? Men also have problems as well. But I feel like um, the problems are usually not because they're men. It's usually other things. And even if it's because they are men, they still have a lot of privilege and a lot of other things to fall back on. And the moment you include them in that group, you take the light away from people who need it more. Like, when it comes to GBV, more than 90% of women suffer from it. More than 90% of trans women suffer from it. More than 90% of gay men suffer from it. And um, we don't have those same statistics for, men, for like cishet men who are like, maybe 1% suffer from it. Right. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I think for me, gender-based violence is just anything from psychological to emotional to physical abuse um, against, you know, from one gender to the next. And obviously, for this specific discussion, we're mainly focusing on um, violence against women. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I completely agree with what um, Tanatsu said, is that a lot of the times, I mean, the past week we've been doing, because of the 16 days, we've been doing radio interviews, and a lot of the times you have men calling in like, oh no, but we also get abused, and I'm like... Don't take away, like, the 16 days are just for us. Can we just have the 16 days to also just complain and be like, you know, this is what's going on. Can we have a change? And then, you know, we can go back to the bigger picture. But, like, I also think that it's sometimes really important for us to just recognize that, you know, that's what the bigger issue is. Unfortunately, currently, right now, the bigger issue is that a lot of women are victims of um, gender-based violence. Right. And, like, can we first deal with that? And then we can now deal with it on a broader platform. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd love to hear, like, from a clinical uh, aspect. <laughs> okay, uh, gender-based violence uh, is more common to women, but I feel that we were not addressing it because there is now what we call intimate partner violence. Right. As long as we are in a relationship, the man is entitled to abuse you, whether you like it or not. So we have moved from gender-based violence to intimate partner violence. So it's now, uh, I think the statistics says about 90% they are having intimate partner right. violence. Right, and we're actually going to speak on that like later on. <laughs> in this, this Sorry for being No, no, it's okay. Um, yeah, so it's really, it's, it's a topic that is very sensitive right, to talk is, about. Yeah. Because it's affecting a lot of people, and we are now having cases of major depression mm-hmm. because of that. Right. Bipolar comes into play, so this is something which is very sensitive. So we need, when we're talking about it, we, we need to uh, have uh, we need to say it in in a way so that everyone is not left out. Right, right. Yeah. I think for me, gender-based violence is, is it's a it's something that's not new. A lot of people are like, oh, this is something new. You guys are just speaking up now. Oh, the commotion. No. Gender-based violence is something that has been happening in history for, like, centuries. Since the beginning of time, women have been oppressed by men, and women have been made to feel like they are lesser or smaller than the man because of um, anatomy, things like anatomy, things like the, the, the fact that women bear children and have to um, be, give, give of themselves to raise someone else, whereas a man feels like, no, I do not cro- pro- procreate in the same way that a woman does. So I don't have to like put myself down or put myself after someone else. Do you know what I mean? Men have been conditioned for so long to believe that like a woman isn't as strong as they are because they have different circumstances. Mm-hmm. They have um, a different way of um, socializing on this planet. So gender-based violence for me is that it's been perpetuated by social conditioning. Yeah. It's something that is a, a symptom of our, our, our um, what is the word, culture as human yeah. beings. Yeah. It's a symptom of, of the way we socialize. Every woman, even in this room, can mm-hmm. attest to, like, even jumping on the combi, you know that mm-hmm. this man is going to say this, yeah. or mm-hmm. why are you not jumping in the combi fast enough, mm-hmm. or you can't fit in this combi because your hips are too wide, or mm-hmm. that's, that's still violent. Why are you, like, body shaming me? So we're just going to go on to our next question. Um, if there's no one else who has anything to contribute. Yeah. Right. Um, so our next question is, where is gender-based violence most common? Um, or are there certain areas and environments where it happens the most? So I'll just go straight into it and say that I think gender-based violence is most common within the household, mm-hmm. within the household setting, within 
closed spaces where nobody has to be accountable for their actions. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's just, it speaks to the idea of people not wanting to have to answer questions or having to um, take account for their actions. Yeah. yeah. So I think in intimate settings, like you were saying, yeah. that happens the most. I think it happens in the office the most. Yeah. Because I think, like we were talking about it earlier, we were just saying that, you know, it starts off with, you know, simple things. Like you say, like in an interview, like you're being interviewed by a male and like, you know, he'll say something like, oh, your legs are really shiny. Or, like, and you're just like, is that really appropriate for you to say? Um, right. Even from some of my work experiences, like being the only woman in the office, you know, there's certain jokes that, you know, they used to say, and I'll, I'll just be sitting there and I'm like, I don't think that's an appropriate joke to make considering that like I'm a woman right. and like I don't feel comfortable right. you know right. with the kind of humor that's going on but like you know they're like oh no you're just being emotional about mm. it and, and things like that it's just men being men yeah right you know? <laughs> let boys be boys yeah right like you know right. so I think that it happens a lot in the office and I think sometimes as women especially because when I started working I was very young and I always unfortunately worked for men so you only start to realize things when you get a bit older and you just start realizing that I don't think that was really appropriate. Like things that they would say, things that they would do. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, that really wasn't appropriate at right, all. Right. And I think that that probably does happen a lot. Like in the office place, at universities, at schools. I think it happens a lot. And the problem is, a lot of girls probably don't know that it's happening because it's not physical. It's more emotional and psychological. Right, right. And we've been taught that this violence is only a certain thing. Mm -hmm. Like violence is only physical. Yeah. When violence can happen in so many different ways. I mean, yeah. you, you know what I mean. I would agree with that, um, that my personal experience has been more in the workplace. Yeah. I've been very lucky in the home has been a place free of, of violence. But um, in the workplace now, when I look back over what happened in my 20s and my 30s, and really since the Me Too movement, you start looking back on, on, on what people would say to you, the way they would treat you. Even if it wasn't overt physical violence, it was constantly putting you down and putting you in your place or treating you as a sexual object with their comments. Right. Mm -hmm. And at the time, you're young and you just brush it off. Yeah. And then in retrospect, you think, no, that was not appropriate. It was not okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, resolve to do something to call it out or to yeah. make sure it's not happening again. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely my experience. Although I would say that, um, you know, what's really striking is that globally, it's the two big places are in the home, as you said, and it's shocking how much intimate partner violence right. that is. Right. I think one in three women will, will experience um, that kind of violence, physical or sexual violence. And the other place, of course, is conflict settings. Right. And, you know, when you see women being used as a tool of war to um, oppress a group of people, that's also a really shocking mm -hmm. form of violence. And when you look at the countries in the world that that they do these surveys from time to time about which countries it's really the worst place to be a woman. You do have places like um, Afghanistan and Somalia, and DRC coming up, especially in conflict settings. Um, but you also have places like India and Pakistan where, where, where public spaces and in the home violence is there as well. So right. it's everywhere. Right. I think one thing I've noticed, I've always, I've always said this to people, is when we're driving out in the streets, what gender do you notice most? Can I just ask that to everyone right now? Yeah. Who do you see most? Women. Women. No, just standing around, like. Well, men, oh, actually. Yeah. Right, it's, it's men. It's, 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 it's women who have been kept hidden, and mm -hmm. like, there's this thing of like, oh, you're only let out when a man is allowing you out, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And men are just left to stand to their own devices, mm. whereas a woman is on a constant schedule. Like, you need to be doing this, 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 this. Yeah. And I think this goes back to the idea that. Um, there's no accountability for men 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Women are always having to check in with someone. Mm. Are you okay? Are mm-hmm. you fine? Have you gotten home? Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's basically Even like if a woman is out late, like you have that, co- like, you know, I, I've, like as a musician, like I, I hang around with a lot of female musicians who are married and everything. And like the minute they get married, like there's this whole thing where they're like, oh no, you know, I have to get home to cook for my husband or uh, like I have to tell my husband where we are because it's, you know, the event is running late. So right. he needs to know that like I'm still here. And I'm like, okay, but he... Before you were married, like this wasn't. I'm not really saying that you don't have to be like tell someone where you are, but like it's more like a parenting kind of rela- relationship right. than I'm just telling your partner that, oh, babe, I'm finishing late. Like it's one of those things where she's like, no, like can you call him to tell him so that he understands that I'm not doing anything else? Right. I'm like, you're a whole grown human being. <laughs> assumption that if you're not doing anything that's deemed female worthy, that we're just out there being naughty. Mm. Like, you come back home late, lots of jobs finished late, yeah. lots of activities finished late. Mm-hmm. Like, yesterday we finished at six. Right. And for most African households, um, you're probably, the transport situation, you're probably going to get home around seven or eight. Yeah. And then they immediately assume that you're out there doing stuff that is not permissible within our culture. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. meanwhile, boys come back home at one in the morning. Who asks them anything? Right. No one. Right. No one. But let's also speak on, I think it's very important for us to also just acknowledge the many women who do not have the privilege to work in the daytime, like mm-hmm. speaking on, on female sex workers mm-hmm. um, or just a trans sex worker mm-hmm. or anything like that. Many women don't have the privilege to work in the daytime because office jobs don't even take women mm-hmm. that don't have like a lot of qualifications because yeah. for a woman it's like you need to be overqualified to get a basic job yeah. yeah you know what i mean so a lot of female sex workers have to work these unreasonable hours mm-hmm. because that's when they get their opportunities mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate yeah. and female sex workers are actually also exposed to gender-based violence mm-hmm. on an extreme scale yeah. yeah right and in zimbabwe in particular the idea is um a female sex worker is a miscreant right and they don't get the respect that the normal woman gets. Right. So when it comes to issues of rape or even beating her up, people feel justified to right. just violate her right. all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. It's okay, like, that's your job. So you ask for it. Right? right? But you're just like, well, if I would just walk into your office and be like, give me accounting services for free because, like, that's your job. Like, right. is it really the same right. thing? Because, like, it's, it's some, that's how they earn their living and things like that. So I think it's just people have this attitude. It's this attitude that, while well, you're already selling sex. So if I just want to take it, I can take it. But, like, right. if you were to contextualized and say that okay fine if you own a tuck shop and I'm right. like well you're selling groceries so I want groceries so I'm just going to take right. this because right. I need them so. I think it goes back to what we were saying about consent it's like very yeah. consensual yeah. Mm-hmm. sex work is a consensual job yeah. regardless of the fact that you're selling a sexual service mm-hmm. it's still something that you can say no to yeah. during the event do yeah. you know what I mean yeah. but yeah a lot of people don't take that seriously and in the context of like just the streets i think i've experienced gbv um quite a lot down the streets in public because i can just walk down the street whether i'm wearing something really short or covering my entire body you always have those people that are catcalling you that come up and try to touch you that take out their hand trying to shake it right like do i even know you right and this other time someone called me natasha and that's very close, to, okay, in a sense, that's very close to Tanatsua. And a lot of people actually, like, mishear me and call me Natasha, so I thought it was someone that might know me. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> this person just tries to call, just tries to contact me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know you. And they're trying to say, I love you, I love you, like, 
I just saw you on the streets. What are you even right. doing on the streets right. yourself? Right. So I think the answer to your question is male-dominated spaces. Yeah. Where yeah. does where does gender-based violence happen the most? I think it's male-dominated spaces. Yeah. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, we're not attacking men, but <laughs> it is what it is. Um, it's not an attack. It's true. Right. <laughs> So, so, what kinds of gender-based violence do you think happens within the corporate space? And, yeah. I think emotional blackmail. Right. Yeah, because in most where, okay, uh, in my line of work, most of my, of my clients, about 90% of them, they'll say, we are being abused in the office. So, I, I think in, uh, in those setups whereby I cannot say no to my boss, because if I say no to my boss, then I'm out of workplace. Right. You see, so sometimes the uh, the emotional abuse will go on and on and on because we take it as normal. Mm-hmm. If my boy says, "Stop it, Leon! I don't like it," or if my boss say, "I'll touch my bum," and I say, "It's normal." Like in Shona, I say, "No, Javari." Like it, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. So I will not say a word. Mm-hmm. So I think we are we are taking something which is not right and make it right. Right. Yeah. Normalizing. And I think yeah. especially when you have a power inequality, because yes. if you say this is, it's about power really, somebody yeah. in a position of power, that's often a man, can use that power over you and you want to keep your job, you want to do well in your job. And so because of that power position, you can't say anything against what they've done. And I noticed it, especially in organizations I've worked in, where if you're on a short-term contract mm-hmm. or, you know, it's very easy to be fired, you just, mm-hmm. people just keep quiet. Yeah. Um, and the worst case I've seen of this is, is in um, garment factory workers, for example. Mm-hmm. I used to live in Ethiopia and it's one of the, across the world, women are very, um, they need that job, mm. they need that money to look after their family, but they can get fired from one day to the next. Yeah. And the level of um, not just emotional bullying, but sexual abuse in some yeah. of those sectors. And yet we all wear fashion and we all feel good about it. Mm. But have we really asked what's happening in yeah. those parts of the economy where people really are vulnerable? Yeah. I think that especially just the issue of it just being so normalized is that we don't think about it. and especially with the power play thing you're so afraid to lose your job especially like just looking more at a Zimbabwean context is that because you know unemployment is so high so once you get a job you really want to hold on to it with like everything you've got so I've a lot of the times and you know the men will take advantage of it and then you know it starts off with something very light and then like it starts getting a bit more intense like bit by bit and then the next thing you know you're in this really uncomfortable situation and now again you're caught up because you're like if I say anything it could be a big thing and a lot of the times women are then ostracized for speaking out about being a victim Um, I have a friend of mine who worked at this organization and um, the boss used to like you know have relationships with the with the staff and the one girl was actually like, I was in a relationship with him because I didn't think, I thought that if I said no, he would fire me. Mm-hmm. And she went to, you know, um, H Metro, she made this whole big deal about it. And like people are now on her case saying that, well, you shouldn't have spoken out. You also, like, you were, you know, you were kind of, you know, being very funny because why were you dating him in the first mm-hmm. place? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we forget that, you know, she was actually a victim. Like, a lot of the times people want to justify the, the behavior because they don't condone the fact that, you know, the woman was probably in a relationship with a guy and things like that. So, and right. there's also the issue of psychological pressure. Yeah. Like when you're in a position of authority, people underneath you are afraid to go against your will, and yeah. men always take advantage of that. And like that's one of the reasons I was like, you know, I can't work in a workplace anymore because you have a whole lot of males blocking 
um, your progress as well as your just ability to work. It's difficult for me to take a job seriously when someone is making inappropriate advances to me. Right. And for me, I've always just left the workplace at the end of the day. There was this right. one uncomfortable situation I had in South Africa when I worked at a very prominent and big um, restaurant there, no names. And um, while we were, I was a I'm waitress and all cashing out, <laughs> the manager was like, if I give you 300 rand, will you kiss me? In front of everybody. And I'm like, what? The night before, he had tried to get my phone number and say, I can help you with your distress, physical distress. You know what he was trying to say? Right. And I thought, let me just ignore it, maybe he'll give up. But now he's harassing me in public too. And the other waiters were like, oh, when you said it, you thought we were joking. And that also brings to light another thing that when this happens to us, we don't talk to it about to other people. Yeah. And for me, at least when I talk to other people, they'll be like, yeah, this is bad. Mm. But for most women, when they talk about it, they're like, oh, you're just trying to get attention. Like, what happened to that girl when they were trying yes. to victim shame her as well? Yeah. Because when you talk about psychological pressure, I had an instance where I was in a situation where I have a landing if I leave. But if you're paying rent and you're paying your own groceries and you're doing all those things, that pressure as well can just make you succumb to what that person is offering you. And you can't be blamed for that. Right, right, right. I hear that. I, I can totally agree with that because if I, I think we can all agree. If you are in a, in a situation where um, you are at work and this, this man who processes your invoice, for example, or your, your, your paycheck comes to you and is like, oh, Leona, I would love to go on a date with you. You're so beautiful. I'm so into you. And you say no. Are you not afraid of the consequences that will come with you saying no? Like, oh my gosh, this man is not going to process my, my invoice much slower than everyone else. He's <laughs> going to make it a problem. Or he's going to look for inconsistencies that are not there and yeah. constantly yeah. point them out and make it like yeah. I'm a problem in this, this organization. Because those are the true tactics of a predator. Mm-hmm. A predator will always make sure that they have everyone on their side. Yeah. Yes. So that if you, if you speak against them, they'll be like, no, everyone knows me as a stand-up guy. Mm-hmm. You're the only one that thinks like this. You yeah. know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> no, I really like um, what I found. Uh, we were looking into gender-based violence in an organization I worked in before. And it was, we, we did um, surveys where it was anonymous. And we found out it was absolutely rife. And then, but nobody was reporting. Um, and we started looking into who's got different ways of dealing with the fact that you don't want to complain because you're worried about your position and also you're worried about being ostracized. And then there were universe, there's this university movement in the US where they have an app now where if somebody is harassing you, you can report them. Mm-hmm. And then if more than, if that same person gets more than three reports on them, then they start to look into it. And I really like that actually because when you start yes. talking to people, actually what often happens is that like, yeah, he was doing that to me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the same guy. And everyone knows an organization who you should be careful of, who you don't get in the lift with, who you right, avoid, make sure there's always that. someone right. in the room. You all know who those people are, yeah. but none of us do anything about it. And actually, often you see them being promoted again and again, and right. you think, well, they're untouchable. Right. Right. But actually, if you have an anonymous way of saying, yeah, this guy's giving me a problem, then there can be some accountability. Right. And I think we should use more and more of those right. techniques to find a way for us to raise up our voices without right. feeling vulnerable right. when we raise our voices. I think as women, we also need to take our power back into our own hands and stop mm-hmm. allowing these institutions to put each other, put ourselves against each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's what is our, our weakness, is that we think that, oh no, I am in a better position, so I don't have to fight for these kinds of things. Um, so I think we need to take our power back and start working together to, to 
bring down the institution. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, 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 the I revolutionary also, in me is like, bring down the institution. <laughs> right. Bring down the Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I also feel that as women, we need more empowering. And you should not feel ashamed to say, this guy wanted to rape me, this guy. Right. We need to speak up. It's right. okay right. for you to say it. Right. Because I think our culture doesn't allow us to say, this mm. one was touching my palms and what. But I think it's okay for a woman to say, right. even if you're going to lose that job, mm. you're you not only doing this for yourself, you're also doing to others who have been in those shoes, yeah. right. others who are going to come. Right. So I think it's okay to speak up. Right. Yeah. But you yeah. could also, I, I, I have to say that although I mentioned if you're in a power position underneath people, it's hard. But even, even being on the board of an organization, I found yeah. that because of the patriarchy, yeah. you would still get people being you know, looking down at you and using inappropriate words. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to one of the other women on the board, hey, does this guy do that to you? And she said, yeah, it drives me mad. I said, okay, the next time he does it to one of us and the other one is there, we're mm -hmm. going to do something about it. So I felt strong enough the next time he did it to me to say, you know, it's totally inappropriate to do that. And then she right. came in after saying, yeah, I agree, you need to change your behavior. And then we had strength yeah. as a pair yeah. to do something. Right. So we need to act two against together one. Right. and have a bit more... Um, solidarity to right. say, yeah, I'm gonna. And if you if you hear somebody saying something to someone else, say, you know, that's not okay to say that, yeah. um, and speak out about it. Right. Yeah. And isn't it like when men do that, like that switcheroo, when they become the devil to you, but to everybody else, they appear like an angel, yeah. like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde syndrome, if I'm not mistaken, mm, 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 mm. where um, you if, try to. Do you mind explaining what that is? Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde syndrome. It's a book by Mary Shelley. Um, that talked about a person who had two distinct personas. Dr. Jackal was this upright, outstanding citizen in society. Everybody trusted him. And Mr. Hyde was this evil person that was murdering people and doing all sorts of evil and who transform. And the transformation would end up being physical because of the nature. Dr. Jackal looked like a decent man. Mr. Hyde looked evil, but in all the same person. Right. And um, psychologists have analyzed this in basic human behavior where you have the husband that is at home, he beats and yells at the wife. Uh, but like in society out there, he looks like a nice guy, he's smiling at you, he's saying my daughter, he's a pastor even. <laughs> Yeah, right. and if I'm not wrong, this is a, it's actually split personality disorder. Yeah, it's called right. bipolar. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. so bipolar can grow from depression, mm -hmm. major depression, and then finally bipolar. Right. So a lot of people, especially in Zimbabwe, they are suffering from bipolar, but they are not aware mm -hmm. because everyone has got two personalities. When I'm home. The wife says, we don't have money for cooking, oh, I'll start shouting. Then when I'm at work, I'm a different person. Right. So it's actually a, a psychological, actually a psychiatric disorder called bipolar. Right. I think three quarters of Zimbabweans are suffering from bipolar right. because of this economic credit crunch. Right. But then yeah. at the same time, it's still no excuse for abusing people. Yeah, it's not. It's not an excuse. But it's just an issue of them not getting the help that they need. That's another thing. Is that, like, I had to play the devil's advocate and like speak for the abuser. But like sometimes... Um, you know, I had an experience with someone who was very abusive and I said it to this person from day one, I was like, you need to talk to someone, <laughs> like, you're going through so much and you haven't dealt with so many issues and if you don't deal with it, you are, you're a toxic person and I was like, everything you do, everyone you interact with, it'll just be like a constant um, situation of just being toxic. Right. So a lot of the times it's because people aren't dealing with their own thing. Again, the issue that, you know, boys are told, no, be strong, whatever, so they're not dealing with the emotions right. and then now that it comes out like, in a completely different um, way, in a bad way. Mm, mm, and mm. just, sorry, um, we're getting some 
questions or pointers from the audience. Okay. Um, um, one of them says, statistics back that women are more vulnerable to abuse and violence, but they are also they're those few men who are also under attack. Should we just be given? Should we just give a blind eye to or push their plight um, to the? to the fore. And then Helen says, um, the whistleblower usually becomes the victim for speaking up. And that's very true. Right. That yeah. happens a lot. That once you speak up, you're just victimized. Like also why like for example when you go to the police to report a rape case, mm-hmm. why were you wearing a short skirt? Right. Why were you with that guy victim alone in a room? Right. Right. You know, like so it's normally they tend to make you the victim feel like you right. asked for it. Right. I think to the first thing that you said about men also face these kinds of things. I think it's important for us to note that men are not marginalized. Mm -hmm. Men are not um, a marginalized community, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Men have uh, power within themselves and they um, keep their own brotherhood and account for when they are causing violence to other women. They know how to defend each other. Like in terms of, um, um, let me speak on rape. Yeah. There is this institution where men um, will account for their friends, their homies, and be like, oh no, you are delusional. Mm. Because I was with my friend that night, mm. and you, he wasn't with you, there's no way. Mm-hmm. And they keep, and they like will keep that alibi, yeah. mm-hmm. knowing very well yeah. that their friend has raped this girl, or mm-hmm. they don't know that he has, but mm-hmm. they know he was with this girl. Mm-hmm. And now this girl calling foul. They're like, no, I will protect my, my, my the bro code. Yeah. I will protect mm-hmm. my, my bro till the end. Mm-hmm. But so, so for me, it's like women don't have the same kind of system of support mm-hmm. amongst each other. And this is why it's important for us now to put it at the forefront. Yes, mm-hmm. men's issues are important. But I think it's important for us to face uh, focus on the majority that is suffering in order for us to eliminate that. Yeah. And then we can focus on men but we can at the same time we can focus on men by encouraging men not to perpetuate these violent behaviors and see within their own group how are you making this hard for women Mm -hmm. who are the most exposed to gender based violence before we focus on your issues Mm -hmm. you know what I mean because I think you're right to say that we have to bring men into the conversation I'm glad to see so many men in the audience today but Mm -hmm. um you know, unless we're having this conversation with men and frankly with boys from a young, young age to talk to young boys about respect for women, Mm -hmm. about consent and teach them that. We were talking earlier that, you know, at school age, three-year-old boys need to learn that if you're playing, if if your playmate says no, you need to stop. Um, That If we don't inculcate that from a young age, then we'll be fighting this forever. It's it's the men and the boys who have to learn that women should be treated with respect Mm -hmm. and consent is a fundamental pillar of the way right. humans interact right. with each other. Right. That has to be core where we go. Yeah. And the shocking thing that um, my mother recently told me, she's a teacher, and she teaches um, grade five students. And they were talking about the issue of consent, actually. Mm-hmm. And in class, um, one of the boys, um, it was brought up the issue that if your wife says no, then don't do it, right? And, um, or if your girlfriend even, and one of the boys whispered something beneath his breath. It was like, uh, if she says no, I'll just put a drug in her water and do what I want. And this is someone that's grade five. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where is he learning that? Okay, so we're just going to go right back into it. And our next point is the embassy this year has really made it a mission to shine a bright light on. And this is the British embassy. Has made it a, a, 
uh, mission to shine a bright light on women doing so much work. Um, apparently, all the top people in the embassy are women at this point in time. So I don't know if you'd like to speak on that. Yeah. No, well, we're really proud of um, of having more than half of our senior leadership team as women. And I do really appreciate that, um, not because women are better, but actually just have that diversity of viewpoint. Um, right. Working in Zimbabwe, it's not as if the issues that we're dealing with are easy. Right. Um, and we know the solutions straight away. And we know the role of the UK. You need as many different points of view and as many bright minds to think about that and to think right. about how we run the embassy. So having that, that mixture of male and female views is so important to us. And then the rest of our team are very mixed between men and women. So I really appreciate having that diversity. And amongst us, quite a few of us are mums of young children as well. So we're able to really think about how do we create a working environment where women and parents can really thrive and can really right. enjoy their workplace. Right. Yeah. So just inside the workplace, we've been enjoying that. But you're right, this year we also decided to celebrate women leaders in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Um, and every year we, we celebrate the Queen's birthday party, right. who's one of our wonderful women leaders in the world, I think, mm-hmm. and for the UK. Um, um, she's, she's an icon for us. But we decided, okay, let's, let's rise up those Zimbabwean female leaders because I think that they can inspire all of us with what they've achieved and what we can achieve and remind us that when women are given that opportunity, they can really make a difference in society. So we've had, uh, you may have seen some of our purple posters where, we're, um, where we have um, pictures of these women um, and we've been doing videos and things on Twitter. Um, there's the motocross champion, Tanya Muzinda, the novelist and filmmaker Tsitsi um, Dangaremga. Have I got that right? You can help me. Um, on Friday, we had the Zimbabwe Gems netball team come now that they're back from the UK, where they came uh, eighth in the world, which is amazing. Right, right. And we put together a team of um, embassy women. We called ourselves the lionesses. Um, but inevitably, um, the gems were so amazing and they showed us what real power uh, looked like. Um, but then actually, we decided to have them play against our men, the lions, and it was really gratifying to see them also do such a great job displaying the athleticism against the men. They beat them pretty well too. Um, So we've been doing that. Um, On International Day of the Girl Child, I was shadowed for the day. We had um, a wonderful young lady called Veronica who was ambassador for the day. So she ran the embassy and she went to external events and gave speeches. And she was a young woman um, from Mbari um, who had so much to give, so much, so many ideas, so much intelligence, so much energy. And um, it was interesting. Um, I asked her whether, you know, in Zimbabwean society, how she feels and if she ever feels like as a woman, um, she's a victim. And she said, no, I feel powerful and I feel like I can do anything I want to do. And I said, wow, if we had more, that would be amazing. Um, And the last person I want to mention actually is um, Lisa Sabanda. Mm -hmm. Um, I think um, we've been highlighting her story because um, it's a really powerful it's a really powerful story about her childhood being overshadowed. Um, that her, um, the GBV through GBV, her mother was killed, and then she turned that early terrible experience into something that pushed her on to fight and fight for her own dignity and her own skill and to be strong. And I think that you know she shows us that actually we shouldn't feel crushed by this issue. We can come back and and, and fight against it so that it's it's no longer there. So we've been enjoying this year of raising women up and we'll keep doing right, that throughout right, the year right. um, to, to have those those icons and those heroines. I think it's also important for you to um, acknowledge yourself as uh, someone who is a woman in this huge position. It's really a big, it's a, it's a big position. It's something that can inspire a whole lot of women within this country 
to see that um, a woman can also be someone who is an ambassador, someone who um, represents, or a woman can also be in these positions of power. Um, as much as maybe in this environment, people would not like to uplift your position, it is something to be uplifted. And this, it is important for us to, to be registered of the fact that women aren't always in these positions. So yeah, kudos to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because in the in the Foreign Office, um, in our um, Ministry of Foreign Affairs in London, they have a wall of mirrors mm -hmm. and then they put up um, women in a position of um, seniority and then they have a mirror so you can look at it and think, well, that will be me. Oh, nice. It was so funny when I first saw wow. it. Um, they said, first female ambassador, 1976. I thought, mm -hmm. okay, well, that's a while ago. And then they had <laughs> one say, first mother ambassador, 2000. And I was angry. I said, really? In the UK? It took until 2000 before you can have a female ambassador who's also a mother. Mm. And then I, then I felt really more inspired to try to show women in the UK that you can do anything you want. Mm. And now half of the ambassadors in Africa from the UK are women. Oh, wow. Yeah. So That's awesome. <laughs> and, and over 60% of the, the new young young people who are going to be the future ambassadors, more than half of them are women. So I do think, you know, thank you for saying that, but I think that um, I've been inspired by women leaders in the past and I hope I can do a little bit to definitely have a little bit of my dad was a diplomat and every woman I would meet was an ambassador's wife. Right. Yeah. And that she would have given up her career and her profession back home in order to join him on the diplomatic mission. And but like only last week I went to an event and somebody said to me, um, oh, I hear that you're with the British Embassy. Um, um, what does your husband do? And I said, oh, wow. <laughs> He's my spouse. I'm the ambassador. And she was so embarrassed and she said, I assumed he was the ambassador. And I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, like that whole entire thing. But they, you know that joke with the like, uh, a uh, boy and his parent get involved in an accident mm -hmm. and um, at the hospital the doctor's like that's my son and no one could get that the doctor was the mother mm -hmm. oh wow oh gosh <laughs> okay so yeah. we're just gonna have a quick just a, just a quick one so you can just get like one point and maybe like a just we want to fly through it um, okay looking at the different kinds of gender-based violence what are some warning signals um when will women know that this is now harassment if you don't feel like answering that's all right I think um, qualified. Yeah, we want to hear from that because I think sometimes as people, we, I think sometimes as women, you see the warning signs. In fact, just in general, you always see warning signs, but you choose to ignore it. Like um, from a personal experience, again, I could tell the person I mentioned earlier when I was like, I could see that this person was really, really broken. But, you know, I still got into a relationship and everything and then it still ended badly. And like, you know, my sister and I sat down the other day and we're just like, well, we kind of saw it happening. We kind of saw that it was going to end this way. Mm -hmm. But like sometimes you see something, you see danger, like the whole thing about women. We like the bad boys. Right. So we go for the bad boys or, you know, but like I think sometimes you always see it, but we just choose to ignore right. it. And as a woman, you are not his therapist. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, uh, the red signs for emotional abuse, right? Yeah, yes. for okay. any kind of, just an abuse. Okay, maybe first of all, uh, what abusers do, they make sure you don't have self-esteem. Right, right. They'll make sure they will say, they call you names so mm -hmm. that you feel like you are nobody, you feel helplessness. Mm -hmm. Then uh, the other thing is they shout at you in public. Right. They make sure that everyone knows that you are useless. Mm. 
So, so, so those are some of the signs that men do to us. Right. You are just a girl, what can you do to an asshole? Right. The next thing right. you look at yourself in the mirror and say, obviously I'm a girl, what can I also do? Right. So they make sure you don't have self-esteem, they make sure they embarrass you in public, then there's emotional abuse. Everything that you do, they will never recommend, they will never say you did it right. So mm -hmm. those are some of the red flags that we just, uh, we just don't get it, but they are there. Um, for me, I think, uh, from my personal experience, a red flag that I've seen is men who minimize your emotional um, um, plights or mm -hmm. when you bring something to the table and you're like, I really don't feel great about this and I'm not happy that you did that. And then they're like, no, um, you're just being overly sensitive. Mm -hmm. I think someone should always take something seriously, no matter how small it may seem to them. Yeah. It may seem huge to you and that's what's important. Mm -hmm. And if someone is not willing to acknowledge something that is tiny for you, how are they going to be able to um, navigate something that is huge? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And another thing is someone who is not willing to love you out loud and proud. Yeah. That is a very toxic trait that I've experienced uh, almost constantly in every, almost every relationship I've mm -hmm. been in, where they are willing to love you behind closed doors and mm -hmm. show you all this affection behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. But when it's now time to be in a public setting, it's it's not the same. Yeah. You know, it goes back to that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde syndrome yeah. of split personalities. If someone mm -hmm. can't give you that affirmation in public that they do in private, mm. then they're not for you. Yeah, yeah. Just two points. I'm oh, sorry. Um, I've just noticed also for cisgendered women, men also do it in the context that they don't want to appear weak in public. They think that being affectionate and loving in um, public spaces makes them. Um, lose credibility right. with other men around them and it's something that's enforced culturally that men in our society they don't romance you, they don't hold your hand, they don't kiss your cheek mm -hmm. and treat you like a lady in public. Yeah. So just two pointers um, from our lovely audience. Um, maybe they'll get into, okay, sorry, I'll just start from the question. Um, are there local support groups in Zimbabwe that women or men can go to as victims of gender-based violence so they can get assisted? And then the second one is, I really believe that most, most of the issues discussed um, is to be addressed with the rule of law. Having strong laws and educating women about their rights is vital so they are not shy from raising concerns and complaints. Okay, uh, for, we have got a support group which we run at Wilkins Infectious Hospital called Sisters Watching Sisters. Mm -hmm. I formed that support group uh, because a lot of women were coming to me saying, uh, at least if uh, like group therapy, if I hear another one, uh, another person, another woman's story, it can heal me. But a few men were coming. Why? Because men, men will always be men. They will say, boys don't cry. Mm -hmm. I cannot say my embarrassment in public. Mm -hmm. They don't want to share. But right. I have received a lot of men who come to my inboxes saying, but I'm going through this. Can you help me? And say, you, you can come over to my office. They say, no. I will never come to your hospital. Right. I'd rather have a private conversation with you only and don't tell anyone. Mm -hmm. So we have we are trying to have those support group everywhere that it's okay for you to say you have raped. It's okay for you to say I'm I'm going through IPV or GBV. So uh, we are trying to have those support group and we are trying to normalize it because you know what? Men they think going to a therapist is unmanly. Yeah. Even women, they think it's a white people's disease <laughs> for going to therapy. So it's still a huge 
uh, right. thing for us. Right. Yeah, but we're trying. Right. I generally think emotions are not manly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so, then just in terms of the um, law, this was something that was just shared in um, a group chat that I'm in, where it says the Domestic Violence Act cover more issues than besides rape and assault. And unlawful, all unlawful acts of omission or behavior resulting in death or direct infliction of mental and physical and sexual injury are considered as domestic violence. And like, you know, even something as simple as you're in a marriage and you're locked out of your house, that's considered as domestic violence. You can actually go to court and get someone arrested for that. Even something as simple as I'm not being allowed to sleep in the house, you know, someone just emotional manipulation and things like that in our law in this right. country is actually considered as a, you know, a criminal offense that you mm -hmm. can actually go to the courts for. And you know, we have organizations like the Masasa Rape Clinic, um, they also do um, work with women who are victims um, at the police station. I'm not too sure if it's at every police station, but I know that they have the victim-friendly unit mm -hmm. that also um, you know, women can actually go and approach these different organizations as well. So there are organizations that are there. I think a lot of the issues is that a lot of people don't know that these organizations exist. We also don't know that the law is actually technically on our side. Right. A lot of the times you feel like, well, if I go to court, like it's going to be a whole thing, and I need a lawyer, etc., etc., all of these costs. But if you just know the basic constitution, if you know your rights, you can actually go and defend yourself, and you can win these cases because the law is actually very um, aggressive on, you know, people who are violent. Right. So I'd agree with Thera that there, that there are good organizations here. We work with quite a few of them. We just got a new program, actually, 10. Um, 10 million pounds where we're supporting organizations that prevent and respond to violence. So as you say, places like Masasa do an amazing job yeah. at providing safe houses, mm -hmm. somewhere that people can go if they're experiencing violence, giving them that um, psychological support, mm -hmm. um, adult rape clinic. Um, and then, um, as you say, I think one of the issues around the law is do people know it's there? Yeah. With children, we've been supporting child lines so the children can actually ring and get that support. They don't have to try to mm -hmm. find their way to the police mm -hmm. station and then they can get they can get supported. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, one of the other things we're doing is working with some of those police stations to help them to, for the police officers to know the law and for those um, violence units to, to know the law. And um, we're working with them, particularly in Bulawayo, around sex workers um, and other vulnerable groups there so that they themselves don't become perpetrators of violence against right. some of those groups right. um, and people in the LGBTI plus Right, community. I was just gonna say that. So we're working with them to, to and, and we have seen some benefits from doing that where they're now actually responding properly mm -hmm. to, to um, when members of those really vulnerable communities are reporting violence mm -hmm. and that the police are now actually responding to that. Right. Um, but there's so much more to do. That's work we're doing in Bulawayo, but mm -hmm. there's the whole country. So yeah, um, yeah. there's a lot more to do. Right. I think that's so important because um, the issue has always been we have these organizations, but when women go and report these cases, to the police and to the people who are supposed to take action. They're told, come over, bring your partner over here and let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's, let's try to resolve it instead of taking the proper legal action. Um, it's happened to women I've known, where a woman was beaten to the point she was taken to the emergency room at the hospital. And the when she wanted to report the case, they were saying, ah, just talk about it. Or the other time, it was made to pay a 15 US dollars fine, if I'm not mistaken. And this guy is almost a millionaire. What's fifteen dollars? They're basically telling him that okay, but fifteen dollars can beat up your wife as much as you want. Right, mm -hmm. right. That's true. And even sometimes, just with the language that um, some of the officers use, um, one of the survivors last week was actually saying to us that 
when she was in this crazy car chase with her husband, he smashed the windscreen with his hand. Like it was crazy. And she finally got to the police station. What? And the police officer was like to her, he was like, I want my nini, like let's talk about it. So even the fact that he was addressing her as my nini is like one of those like, no, come on, like we're all we're a big happy family. And she's like, her her husband followed her there and he actually wasn't arrested that night like they just left it like that they're like okay no we'll deal with this in the morning and that happens a lot of the times mm-hmm. um the one time i was actually um physically like kidnapped and everything and when we went to report it with my sister you know they were sitting there they're like so how now could rape what like it's a group of like five men asking me if i was raped or not mm-hmm. and like my sister and i were just like if i was raped would i say it to five random strangers if i'm right. just being assaulted by right. a man right. would i actually openly be like yeah mm-hmm. I was raped by you know, right. a bunch of guys, you know. Right. So, like, sometimes, you know, they're not very sensitive to victims. I think sometimes mm. um, we have, I think it's a problem <laughs> with people that we like gossip, we like, you know, hearing the story first, mm. and, like, you forget that your job requires that someone is actually probably going through trauma. Right. And there's a way that you need to address certain issues. If mm. someone says that they've been assaulted, you need to take them into a private room and actually hear the full story right. because you don't know how deep it is and you can't just address this issue in front of a room full of strangers mm, because right. this person is still going through trauma. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's sad that they have to like sort of tick boxes in order for your experience to be valid. Yeah. yeah. It's something that a lot of trans women especially experience like mm. on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, where a trans woman will not be taken seriously because she doesn't necessarily tick all the boxes that people put put out mm-hmm. where in order to be a woman you have to tick so many boxes mm-hmm. and so for me that's something that i would worry about is where does a trans woman go when she has been assaulted mm-hmm. or has mm-hmm. been subjected to gender-based violence in this country because mm-hmm. you guys are speaking of all these resources but mm-hmm. for someone who may be in this the position of having the trans experience mm-hmm. like myself yeah. um where do we go where does someone run yeah. We do without being seen as oh no that's not gender based violence mm-hmm. that's just oh a man and a man because yeah. that's what I will be seen as yeah. mm-hmm. it's just a man mm-hmm. do you know what I mean mm-hmm. and so um, I think it's it's unfortunate that our government doesn't provide protections and not not to like not that I'm like out here like bashing the government or whatever mm-hmm. but it's unfortunate that we don't have these resources readily available for women at all levels yeah. Yeah. it's just a cisgender woman yeah. or the kind of a different like the the the, the average woman mm. you know what i mean yeah. um even a woman who may be a bit mascu- masculine mm-hmm. may not be taken seriously because they're like oh well you look like a man so you should have defended yourself yeah do you know what i mean like yeah. you act like a man so act like a man be a man do you know what i mean mm-hmm. That that's a very a prominent thing within yeah. like society, especially Zimbabwean society, mm. and I think it's problematic. Mm. I think it really is. I think it's important that we protect all women at all levels. Mm. And some of the law enforcers might be the perpetrators as well. So if you bring yeah. like if you as a victim go to someone who's also making someone else a victim, they're going to try and protect that person because they're sort of thinking that okay, if I condemn this person, next it's me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry, just one more from the audience. Um, saying, can you mansplain that cat calling and assigning pet names to people you don't know is harassment? And that's really true. Um, yes. I had one work experience where my boss, we were <laughs> in the kitchen making coffee. And then he was like, um, okay, sweetie. And I was like, excuse me? Like, sweetie. <laughs> don't call me sweetie. And I, right. think, I think because of the way I reacted, like, because I don't think he thought I was going to mm, react the way mm, he reacted. So mm. he kind of was like, 
like he just brushed off like well whatever like you know i can call you whatever i want and i like, just walked out but i was just like it's actually completely inappropriate for you to call mm. me sweetie like I'm we're not, not just sweetie babe we're, we're like not I'm on not. that level right. call me for my first name or right uh, right, but yeah. right so that does happen a lot like you know cat calling is just you know Sometimes men use pet names, even like when right. someone texts me and they just say, oh, hey, darling. And you're like, right. no, my name is Vera. Right. You address me as Vera. We don't know each other like that. Right. And then they're like, oh, no, don't worry. And I'm like, no, like, right. you're, you're missing the whole point. Address me by my, by my name. Right. Because we're not... On that level, yeah. I think sometimes men think that they're being complimentary and right. actually it's just invading your space. Right. I remember getting into the left and a guy saying, oh, I really like the color of your hair. Um, the blonde looks really good on you. And uh, the left was full. Yeah. So I turned around and I said, I really love the gray of your hair. Did it take you long to dye it? <laughs> <laughs> and all the women were laughing their heads off because yeah. he thought he was being complimentary. Yeah. And I thought I'd never met him before. Mm-hmm. And he for whatever reason, he thought it was reasonable okay. to talk about my hair right. so the minute I start talking about his age and his hair mm-hmm. he realizes what it feels like right, and yeah. Yeah. right. <laughs> everyone was laughing because it had happened to them in their lives millions of times right, and right, I think they were right. like yeah next time I'm coming back I'm like right. that <laughs> I think this goes right, ne- right into our next point which is yeah. what are the bad habits that we've gotten into that have allowed things like gender-based violence to become normalized mm-hmm. and something that is not a, a major offense yeah um, that is good, right? Cat yeah, calling. Like cat calling has just become so normal. You're walking in town, yes, yes, I am having a baby. Mm. Like, you know, they say all of these things, and like, you know, as one more, just be like, ah, whatever, you ignore them and you keep walking. Mm. And then, you know, after that, when you ignore them, they're like, ah, you know, well, you're ugly anyway, or oh, you're so skinny anyway, and you're just like, but like, you started this conversation. Right, right. Just because I'm choosing not to participate in it, like, now it's just become a normalized thing. And I think it's just so sad that we, like, we just ignore this whole thing. The other day I was in town and this drunk man came and he was like, I was standing next to these ladies and you know, he came and he was like trying to like talk to us and everything. So I completely ignored him. And then this officer came. So I was trying to like avoid him physically by actually walking away. And then a policeman was now walking towards us. And I was like, officer, can you not see we're being harassed by this man? And the officer was like, couldn't you have started, like, couldn't you have just, you know, let this happen before mm, I came down? Mm, Can't you see I'm also trying to rush mm, to work. Mm, mm. And I was like, well, if you're not here to protect the people, like, I don't understand. And a lot of the times it happens, like you have other men who just stand and watch a woman being harassed and then, you know, later on the men will be like, ah, oh, no, but you know, ma'am, you know, I'm, I'm shocked that she had to experience that. And you're like, so why didn't you say something? Like, why didn't you, you know, help to defend me? We just right. said, we just said that, oh, it happens all the time, but oh, well, this should change right, one day. Right, right. But when we're not actually doing anything to change it, we don't speak up. We'll sit mm. in a combi, a woman is being harassed by the conductor. And as women were sitting there, we're like, oh, that's terrible. Right, right, right. But we're not saying anything. The other day, I actually said to a conductor, I was like, You don't speak to a woman like that. He mm. was calling mm. her so many mm. insane things. And I was like, You don't speak to her like that. I was like, This could be your mother, could be your sister. You don't speak to a woman like that. Right. If you have a problem with her, address her like a human right, being and just say, right. like, No, ma'am, don't do this. Don't just. And like, everyone else in the comedy is laughing. And then after I said that, they're like, Oh, yeah, but you're right. Yeah, I know it was wrong. I'm like, mm-hmm. So I think it's a lack of, a lack of accountability. Yeah. Like, mm. we don't want to. Um, like um, a few years ago, I was walking in a mini shorts. Is there such a thing as a mini short? Okay, body <laughs> shorts in Zimbabwe. Right. And it was in Belleville in Cape Town at the train station. And I was just, it was hot. Mm. And then this guy from the back pats my ass. There And then I just move away because I couldn't see who it was. But he kept on trying to squish near me. And then when we were out of the crowd, he's like, hey, sister, can I take you for a drink? 
and other people like how oh, when he touched me and they didn't do anything yeah. and then when he was right. trying to squish close to me i pushed him away and i was about to punch him but i was still like in a state of trauma mm-hmm. so my my reaction was sort of like like the words couldn't even come out of my mouth so i just pushed him right. yeah and as i was walking away like people started paying attention because i pushed him to the ground and other men actually helped him up they helped him up but they didn't help me yeah and this other guy comes up to me and I think that he's going to say, oh, are you okay or something? He's like, hey, she sister, you're pretty. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. Honestly, mm. like I've been violated. I had to defend myself and people are helping him. And someone, all you can say is, hey, sister, you're pretty. Yeah. Right. So I think this is an important question to ask um, our clinical psychologist. <laughs> We're gonna give you like full credentials. Um, when do we know if it's emotional or psychological abuse? When? What are some telling signs? Okay, uh, the most common signs are agitation. Uh, when someone, uh, when I'm trying to talk to Tanaswa, hi Tanaswa, are you okay? Tanaswa is already agitated because she is assuming that I know what she's going through. Right. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Then there's uh, withdrawal. I'm, I'm, I myself am very, I'm a, I'm a bubbly person, but if you start noticing sign that I'm, I no longer participate in what we used to do, yeah. that is a, is, a, is a big flag that there's something, this is emotional abuse going through. Right. Yes. Then there is a loss of esteem. I used to wear high heels, then all of a sudden I'm now wearing slippers, all of a sudden, or even not taking anything like, what can I say? I'm no longer interested in things that I used to be interested in. Mm. So those are some of the signs that this is emotional abuse going on. Right. Do any of you think you have any signs that you know of? I think sometimes like when you're just isolated, people like to isolate um, people a lot. Like when you're going through certain experiences, like when someone is trying to emotionally or psychologically abuse you, they try to isolate you so you don't have a support system. Mm. And in that way, it's kind of easier for them to really mm, mm. Um, and right. also manipulation they always manipulate you that no one is going to believe your story even if you you go to I wherever no one is going to believe your story so right. that you remain isolated and you withdraw whatever that is meant. right um, anything else okay so is it necessary for us to empathize with abuse of men looking at it from an, a psychological point of view no well I would say um, you know the so the UK where they problems with gender-based violence as well, as I said at the beginning, this is all over the world. And I think the statistics are one in four um, women will experience gender-based violence and one in six men. So although I, I do agree with you that in general, because this is a power issue and the power mm-hmm. distance between men and women means that the issues are far more serious and more prevalent amongst women, I think that you know there might be something that we could reach across to recognize that men also go through mm-hmm. um, abuse and that you know to, to tap into that empathy yeah. of how it feels for them to understand that it's that and then some for women as well. Right. We should we, we should look at, look across both genders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Like what I mentioned earlier is that sometimes it's because the men are actually going through something psychological and things like that. So yes, it's important for them to realize that you know they've done something wrong. But I think also at the end of the day, we need to also look at the root cause. Mm-hmm. That sometimes you'll find that because a boy has grown up in a family where the father was abusive, and then he his understanding is that you know, that's how, you know, you're supposed mm, to treat a woman. Mm, mm. And a lot of, and I know that, yes, you know, you have that split personality, but a lot of the times, um, 
like I had a, a friend of mine again who was in an abusive relationship and her husband was a sweetheart. He was so amazing, but he was also very abusive at the same time. And right. you could tell that there was probably something going on in his life, mm, and that's mm, why mm, mm, you know he had these two extremes. Right. I think in our, in our quest to save the planet, <laughs> we should always practice empathy. I think yeah. it's it's something we should always, always, always practice. Uh, I think a human at our at our highest form is someone who empathizes yeah. well. Yeah. Even in in an in, a, in an abusive situation, I think we should always try to understand someone's perspective, but at the same time, in the same breath, not using our empathy to make excuses or to pardon someone's behavior. Mm-hmm. Still wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Still understanding that what someone may have done is wrong, but trying coming from it, coming at it from a level of, okay, I could see what could lead to someone doing this, yeah. mm-hmm. but it is still inexcusable. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we can, we should empathize with abusive men, but not excuse their behavior. Yeah, I just, I'm going to be like the contrary voice over here. I think we empathize a bit too much with men as females in general. We're always trying to find out um, how to understand them and make them feel better. But who's doing the same thing first? They're not doing that first. And so sometimes I think we need to put our foot down and say, you know what, I can't accept this behavior from you at all. If you're going through issues, deal with them. Like we deal with them as women. We deal with these issues by ourselves and no one ever excuses our behavior. Mm, so we have mm, to try to find mm, solutions all the time. Right. So I think um, this is for our final question. What are some ways that you think someone, if, if someone is in an abusive relationship or an abusive situation, what are some tactics that someone could use to leave that situation or to um, issue themselves from that relationship? I think that the first thing is to find someone to talk to. Uh, because if you talk to someone, you can get uh, positive feedback. So the first thing is you need to talk to someone. Right. And the second thing is you, need, you don't need to be ashamed of what happened, uh, what is going on with you. I am being abused. It's okay to say, it's okay to speak up. It's, right. Yeah, it's not normal that a man can come and touch my private data score. You yes. need to speak. Right. Yes. So I feel you need to talk to someone. Then after that, someone you need also to seek help. It's okay mm. to seek help. Mm-hmm. There's nothing white about seeking help. It's okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Being, being uh, conscious of your mental health is not like a, a white thing. Yes. I think this is so important. I think. Just because it's normalized in a different culture does not mean we can't normalize it within our own. Yes. Right. We should not. We, I think it's 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 so not progressive of us to focus on something like race when it comes to an important thing like mental health. Yeah. Or, What's crazy is that like now African culture that was the role of your tete. You just go and you speak to your tete about mm, whatever right, things you're going through. Right. There was sort of like a therapy kind of thing that we mm, had and, and it was a woman right but now we're not doing that we're not following that practice anymore and that's and why i, I think that issues for herself mm. <laughs> yeah well, actually the, the funny thing is that i would say that um thinking about your mental health has taken a long time in the uk yeah uh, we always called it mm. an american thing actually mm. so it's always someone else they always seeking out therapy and i would say even in my amongst my peer group in the uk it's only now in the last few years that people are one recognizing that 
something doesn't feel right and they're yes. not they're not happy for various reasons mm-hmm. and then two feeling okay to speak about it to friends and then three only very recently to seek support for that professional mm-hmm. support mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. um, you know there are a few people um, I had a guy who worked with me when I was in Washington who had spoken up a lot about his own mental health and how he reached out and sought mm-hmm. support and it's amazing that him speaking up mm-hmm. is really getting a lot of other people to speak and it's yes. just now it's now mm-hmm. in the UK that people are starting to do that and even then there's still a lot of stigma and taboo mm-hmm. so that's funny that it's seen as a white thing when we're also really struggling <laughs> in the UK um, but it's um, but the value of, of, of that first recognizing something's not right you don't feel mm-hmm. right and recognizing what that is and, and even admitting it to yourself and then and then seeking support that's um, you know our mental health is as important if not more important than our physical health yeah. um, as individuals and then as a society mm. yeah. I think it's also this thing of people not wanting to have responsibility for other people's problems mm. people are very like I am going through my own thing leave me alone I don't mm. want your problems but it, <laughs> we need to be accountable for each other and we yeah. need to hold people accountable for their actions yeah. Go, it always goes it seems to go back to accountability yeah. society lacks um, this accountability and we lack empathy as you we were just saying, empathy for one another. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we need to uh, try to be better, try to do better at all levels. Stop focusing on, oh no, it's not an African thing. Mm. No. <laughs> Everyone has the same problems. Right. Yeah. These things are happening. Human issues. Yeah, they are human right. issues. And I think it's just important to be a support system for each other. I think, yes, we need to recognize that, yes, we're all going through our own things, but it's important to have that support system in place. And right. especially given the fact that when you're in an abusive relationship, be it in the workplace or at home or wherever, that the main thing is that they try to isolate you. So you feel like you're the mm. only one going mm. through this. Mm. And then you have this shame and everything. But if we if we are accountable for each other, if we create our own like support systems where we know that okay, I can call Jordan if I'm going through something and just be like, And you can, sis, you really can. Is this guy actually like abusing me? Like was it just right, all in mind? Right. Because sometimes I think sometimes as women we also just get up in our head and we overanalyze something. Like you'll be like, right, Okay, right. but like he said that, but it could have been a compliment, maybe I'm reading too mm, deep into mm, it. Mm. But sometimes it just is what it is. And like when you just share that experience with someone, then they just tell you that dude. Like, right, right, it right. Was what right. It was. <laughs> right. So, so the thing is we don't have some some people don't have friends that can offer good advice. Mm, yeah. Some mm. of them will help perpetuate the abuse. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. like um, the lady I was talking about, she went to her friend and the friend was like, you know what, Shingarila, it's going to get better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like there are some places where you can get affordable can get, counseling. Um, yeah. There's the support group that um, Leona had mentioned. There's also the Christian Counseling Center. So they are. What is the support group that you had yeah. mentioned? Sisters, watching sisters. Okay, yeah. thank you. So it's important that like, people know about these um, organizations, um, know that there are certain therapists that they can talk to that are affordable. Right. That's also another fear that like. I can barely afford to pay for like other things. Mm, like, can mm, I afford mm, to pay for mm, therapy? But right. there are some affordable therapists. There's some people who offer their services for free, and it's just mm. a friendship bench. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just right, yeah. and they also deal with LGBTQI plus issues. Mm-hmm. So they are exactly. very open exactly. at all levels. Mm. Exactly. I think uh, there's uh, we need to empower people more. Yeah, we right. need. I think we need to advertise it more that I do work for free. Right. You can come, we can talk, it's okay. Mm. But people, they, suppose they lack knowledge. Right, and ignorance. Yeah, ignorance. So they feel like if I go to Leona, she's going to charge me. Mm. Yet Leona is offering, I'm offering my services for free. Mm. Mm. Right. So I feel there's more need for us to put it out there that 
we have free services out there. Please go and utilize those services. Right, right. Yeah. So I think this is an important time for me to just um, open the floor to, to our panelists and be like, if you have any closing remarks that would you'd like to say just to close out, um, we can just start with you, Vera, if you don't mind. <laughs> okay, so yeah, just um, I think it's just important. Let's keep talking about things. Let's also just not be afraid to seek help because I think sometimes that's an issue that we're afraid to actually right. look for help. So yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, I would say mental health is for real. Uh, you don't have to make it. Uh, you don't have to wait until you have major depression or until you have a mental breakdown. Talk about every little thing. It's worth talking about it. Right. You need to speak up. Right. Go get help. It's okay for you to be not okay, mm. but it's not okay for you to go through those things alone. Right. So you need to seek help. We are there for you. Right. I would say, as an individual, trust your instincts. If something doesn't feel right, then it's not right, and you should be able to call it out. And mm. don't second-guess yourself or let other people tell you that what you're feeling isn't right. If that's what you're feeling, that's what you're feeling. And so I think uh, if we all speak up and start calling out some of these behaviours, then we will make things better. Right. Um, and then my, the second thing I would say is that at its root, as I said, I think this is a p power inequality. And so although it will take us longer, we also have to keep working on lifting up women and empowering women. Mm. And the mum of two small girls, I don't mm. want them to grow up mm. in a world where mm. women are less powerful than men. It's enough right. already. We're half of the population. Let's just change this now. And yeah. then when you have people at equal power levels, then the source of gender-based violence will go right down as well. So let's right. just keep working for that. Right. Mm. And there's something to add to that. I think that as we speak out right now, let's make the world a better thing for the next generation. Some of the things my mom talks about, I don't know. Because the people before me worked to make them mm -hmm. like extinct. Mm -hmm. And I want the next generation of girls to not know anything that we're talking about. I don't want them to experience catcalling. I don't want them to experience what it's like to be judged for what you're wearing. Mm. And can I also just say goals? They say you can't have it all, but... She has an ambassador, mother, um, spouse. I mean, we can't have it all, ladies. Okay. I think that's also the biggest message of this event, this entire 16 days. We can't have it all. Right. And we will have it all. Right, right. So I just think, um, yeah, I agree completely with all your sentiments. And I'm so grateful. And thank you so much for sharing your sentiments, guys. And thank you for being here. Um, to share and thank you so much Melanie for sharing with Pleasure, us um, I think uh, I will just go out by saying that um, it's important for us to keep each other accountable mm -hmm. as I've been speaking the whole time like accountability <laughs> accountability I think it's so important for us to keep each other accountable I think it's important for us to break down the institution um, of um, social conditioning mm -hmm. let us uh, uh, shy away from all the things that we've been taught but because clearly it's not working mm -hmm. it hasn't worked this far and it's not going to work yeah. for future generations um, I think let's also practice empathy <laughs> let's be emp empathetic is that the word empathetic of other people um, at their different levels and try to understand what someone may be going through before we judge yeah. before we try to tell someone how they should be handling a situation um, and I think let's call each other out be, be willing to call someone out if you see them practicing these these violent behaviors um, because that's the only way we can stop so yeah I just want to say thank you so much guys and I'm 
I'm also saying to all the women who have experienced gender-based violence and have survived, you are amazing. And to all the women who are in the, these situations, please try to find a way out because you can. There is always a way out. Um, right. And thank you so, 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 so much to our audience for listening to us. Thank you so much. Um, so yeah, the British Council also for having us and hosting us yeah. and uh, uh, just allowing us to be here and the British Embassy for allowing us to have your time. I know time is money, time is... Uh, we can write a rap song about time right now. Yeah. But yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you so much and thank you for everyone being here. So yeah, that's it for episode two and I hope that you guys will tune in again because we have so much more to talk about. So yeah. Great. <laughs> you stay fire and amazing. No 36 inches to wavy. The best thing in that world.